sure you check out our online store where we work with our graphic designer to create stunning garment and product designs that feature a wide variety of aircraft types such as British fighters, World War II aircraft, American bombers, Russian fighters and much more. You can pick your favourite designs and personalise any items within our Redbubble store that range from clothing right the way through to stationery. All of our designs feature our logo so you can show your support for the channel while getting a quality product. You can head to our website aircrewinterview.tv and click store or go to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash AC interview. Thank you and enjoy. Chris, you also instructed on the Tucano. Can you tell us how this happened? Yeah, so I actually started out, I left the VC10 as a co-pilot and went to instruct on the tutor on elementary flying training. Um, and then um, I actually got a short notice posting out of area to go and do a ground tour in Afghanistan. And um, my wife's also in the Air Force. And when I came back, uh, she was on the tornado, was due to be posted and a few options for her. One of them was instructing at Linton. Actually, the you know, Manning at the Air Force are, are quite accommodating when they've got couples like we found ourselves to be so I um I sort of said well actually can I go and instruct on the Tucano as well so we can be co-located up there and having of course previously flown the Tucano although not that successfully but having at least flown it um that was and being a qualified instructor they were they were actually content with that so we both went up to Linton to instruct so yeah I got back on the Tucano I, I loved it I mean I you know I would have liked to have done that anyway but yeah, you know the, the trigger point for going there was actually the co-location uh, with my wife so that, that, that was really really good of the Air Force actually to do that. <laughs> Yeah, so what was the aircraft like to fly? Yeah, initially, and also from obviously knowing it previously as a student, but initially the Tucano is a bit of a pig of an aircraft to fly. Um, it's got a lot of torque effect. You know, it's a, it's a powerful turboprop engine. Um, there's no sort of auto trims or anything like that. So, you know, it's a lot of rudder to keep it straight. And whenever you touch the throttle, you're pretty much putting in rudder to balance out, even when you're airborne. Um, but once you get used to it, and, and obviously the standards that the Air Force expects are high so um you know but once you get used to it i loved it and, and for my ability it was it was sort of just right you know we you know 240 at low level so four miles a minute 250 feet flying around the lakes or scotland if you could get further you know you could do aerobatics in it you could do the high level stuff you know if you needed to to get places um you know it was a, it was a great versatile aircraft you know it's not quite the sports car that the hawk is but it it's still a great aircraft to fly once you've got to grips with it but that's almost enjoyable in itself because you know you have to earn you know uh, get used to it and earn the right to fly it, fly it well so yeah mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed it yeah very fond of it chris is it true that they're all different sizes yeah that that is true so the tucanos uh, are bazillion design but they were built uh, on license by shorts in belfast and uh, who i think although they do build aircraft also previously built ships and uh, yeah they're just they're just all slightly different sizes so if you park them on the line on the on the parking spots and then you look down the line you will see that they're slightly different um different lengths uh, and so they do all handle slightly differently so there is actually that excuse to be said of oh well, this aircraft doesn't handle quite the same as the other one if you're not flying quite as well so um yeah it was we even had a student who you had to sit at a certain height in the Tucano because the front ejection seat had spikes on the top to the way the canopy uh shattered it actually sort of clamshelled and then ideally it would it would leave the aircraft but if not the front seat had two spikes on top that would punch through the canopy and, and obviously clear it out of the way so we used to have to do this thing where we put a fist on top of our helmet <laughs> to make sure that our head wasn't going to hit the canopy first before the spikes so every student would have to do this and then the instructor sitting on the back with this student asked him to do that because he felt he was sitting a bit high and yeah he couldn't get his hand you know between the canopy and his helmet and uh, it turned out that this guy was quite tall uh, but you know fit the measurements and it actually it turned out that about 10 of the fleet of 40 Tucanos he couldn't sit in 
because of the they, they were built differently so um and we actually had a list that you know effectively this guy could could or couldn't fly in certain aircraft because of his, of his height i mean he wasn't that tall he was probably six two six three so on the on the tall side but um it just it just really highlighted the differences it's not just the length that the aircraft in total are are a bit different so yeah do you think the Texan's a good aircraft to take over the Tucano? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, it, it moves with the time. So the Tucano, the, all of the training aircraft did need upgrading because, you know, Tucano, we were still using paper map, stopwatch. Um, we had no uh, digital equipment, uh, electronic equipment at all. It's all steam driven. You know, if you think that you're going from that onto the Hawk T2 now, which is fully um, digital, and then onto the, uh, you know, onto the Typhoon or the F-35, then you need to move with the time. So it changes how you train, because one of the most taxing things in this car now was navigating around on a paper map and stopwatch, as it was with the Hawk T1. But you're not going to be doing that in a, in a frontline aircraft. Yeah. And you know, you've, got to, you've got to bear that in mind when you're doing that foundation training. So yeah, the, the Texan has all the, all, the, all the gadgets and all the toys. So, um, and it's a very similar you know, type capability in terms of aircraft. So it's probably not quite as pretty in my view as the Tucano, but it's, you know, it's- You're biased though. Yeah, exactly. But it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a bad aircraft, yeah. So did you enjoy this role? Yeah, loved it, absolutely. Um, I took instructing from my co-pilot role on the VC-10. I had the choice of stay as a captain or you know, go instructing. You know, I was interested by instructing, but partly that was also to be uh, co-located with my wife. So, you know, but actually, having started to instruct I, I absolutely loved it i've always enjoyed flying physically flying rather than just doing the ops and of course the, the the best place to do that in the air force is in flying instruction so um i enjoyed it on the tutor but then obviously the is a bit more capable so yeah i had four years up there uh, you know, some of my easily my fondest memories in a different way to being on the vc10 as a first tourist it was you know it was now more mature more experienced but yeah just uh, the variety again that you got to do on the Tucano and the squadron ethos up there and, and interacting with students and then seeing them you know some of my course that I took through as a course commander are now they some of the brand new pilots on the F-35 and I, they were on that ITV documentary so it was interesting to just see them now having taught them on the Tucano you know <laughs> now they're flying F-35s which I could never dream of doing so yeah it's really rewarding yeah. You also spent a bit of time on the A400. Can you tell us about this? Yes, yeah, so it was a very short period of time on the A400. So I left Linton uh, as a flight lieutenant and uh, was going back to multi-engine. So I went to the A400, uh, which I was really excited about. Brand new aircraft, a quantum leap in jump from anything I'd previously flown, even if you took the VC-10, but the Tucano as well, old aircraft going to the newest multi-engine aircraft there was. And then it, to add even more of a mix to it, I was then sent to Germany to uh, do my type rating with the German Air Force as an agreement we had there, a trial. So I went there with one other guy and uh, the type rating is fully synthetic. It's, you know, this is what I was talking about, modern airliners now will be very familiar with this, but because the sim is so accurate and the profiles you're flying, this wasn't, I wasn't leaving this course fully qualified to fly the A400 in all of its roles and its tactical roles and things like that it was purely could I fly it from A to B safely with some problems chucked in there and uh, that can all be done on the sim so I did I think it was 21 events I was there from October to December and at the end of that you know certificate tick you, you're, you're a captain on the A400 that being said the Air Force works in weird ways so in November I was promoted to squadron leader um, there was there's a discussion then that happens about what you want to do and I actually ended up taking a uh, staff role at Air Command um, mainly for family reasons so um, I left the A400 so I, I never actually flew the A400 for real unfortunately and I was offered by the Germans I remember at the time thinking oh it was just before Christmas I thought no I'll, I'll get home but I get back now I think I should have I should have taken that opportunity um, but yeah I mean the, the sim was as real as you can get and I remember it Weirdly, I'd say it was probably one of the easiest courses I've done, but not because of my ability, but because of how clever the aircraft is. I mean, you know, you literally, but you, flying is also very different. You pretty much fly the A400 with a, uh, a keyboard and a sort of mouse cursor, and you've got you know, four TV screens in front of you, and they are multifunctional displays. So 
yeah, it's uh, it's it was so so different. I was very nervous going there about would I be able to, you know, having been out of multi-engine flying for a long time and it being such a modern aircraft, would I be able to cope? Um, but actually, the kit works. It, you know, all all these clever designs that have, you know, and developments that have happened over the years make it a really uh, really nice aircraft to fly. Is it meant to, you know, take over the C one hundred and thirty, or is it meant to complement it? No, it is, it is meant as a replacement for the uh, C one hundred and thirty, and hopefully a bit of an upgrade in terms of its load carrying and uh, you know ability there. Uh, and then in other ways, it's very similar roles. So, but it is very much angled at doing the tactical air transport role, and the C seventeen will still be doing the strategic um, air transport role. So, uh, yeah, that's that was the idea of it. Being a, obviously a new aircraft, did it have, or does it have some problems? Yeah, as like I said, I left the fleet quite early, so or very early, so I'm aware that it's probably had some teething difficulties, but all new aircraft do. Um, so yeah, I think it's got some issues. So do you think it'll be a good aircraft for the future? Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, it takes some time, but again, it just should get any of our recent you know, new aircraft that they all have these teething issues and, and we have to figure out how to use them. And they're never quite what we had hoped for, and, but we find ways of getting the best out of them. Um, and actually, I don't think aircraft in the military really, really start fulfilling their potential until maybe 10, 15 years down the line, which sounds ridiculous, but <laughs> just seems to be the way. If you just look at history, that just seems to be the case, particularly with these longer development. Um, you know, it's not the 50s, 60s, 70s where we were churning out new aircraft every couple of years. You know, these, these aircraft take a long time. So yeah, I, I do think it will be a, a really capable aircraft for the future. So what are you currently up to? So as I said, I took promotion. So unfortunately, I'm uh, behind a desk. Um, I just finished the Air Command uh, staff role. So I was working for two group who are the, well, at the time, they were the multi-engine uh, element of the uh, Air Force. So uh, I, was, I was effectively going to meetings and representing um, you know, the, the group and, and sort of offering my background as a, a multi-engine pilot and, uh, and you know, to, when we were doing you know, planning and, and, and such. So that was, that was quite varied, quite interesting. Um, and, gave me the stability that we needed to start a family and, and whatnot so and then I'm looking now to go back to flying which uh, but as a squadron leader so it would be as a flight commander um, hopefully to 45 squadron so I'm going full circle again 45 squadron to instruct on the Fenham so a new aircraft for me um, and we'll see but that might be a little bit down the line yet but um, unfortunately once you get a desk it's quite hard to, to shift from them sometimes but uh, yeah that's my, that's my aspiration because flying has always been a, a huge part of why I joined the Air Force it's not the only part but um, it is a massive part and so I, I do miss it and I do want to get back to it. So you must have enjoyed your uh, RAF career to date. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything like this has highs and lows. Um, and equally, the lows, you, I now get back on and sort of have you know, rose-tinted glasses and, and sort of fond memories. But it's, it's, it's what I always wanted from a career because it's, it's, it's varied. It's not a nine-till-five. Um, it, you know, it, 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 just, yeah, it just gives you such variety. And, and, having, and it's all I've ever known as well. Like I said, you know, I, I've always been interested in aviation, joined the Air Cadets at 13, joined at 18. I don't know anything else anyway. I, you know, the real world is totally foreign to me. All I know is the military. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. And I, and I think it will continue to be. There are always challenges. I remember getting four weeks notice to go and do a six month out of area in a job that I wasn't expecting. You know, so. Uh, so I got, yeah, I was instructing on the tutor, four weeks notice, you know, you need to go and do a, um, you know, a flight safety job in Afghanistan at Bastion for six months. You know, obviously at the time it's like, that's not ideal, but, um, you know, I did it and actually I get back at it now and think what a life experience that was. And actually just purely as aircrew, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have had that experience to, and you, uh, places like Bastion stuff you hear about on the news, but and unless you were there, you wouldn't understand the size and the scale of it. And, uh, and more recently I've just done a Bagram as well. So I've also done another similar role where I went out and commanded some Air Force personnel in Bagram. So, um, just before they shut it now, but yeah, so those, those opportunities come up and although they're not flying related, 
well directly flying related um when i get back on it they're, they're they're life experiences which that's what you get from the air force so yeah so do you have any hobbies yeah so uh i did, uh, maybe these are the standard ones for air crew but i enjoy skiing and uh, scuba diving so they're like sort of my two um don't do them as much now that i have a little girl but yeah the skiing and scuba diving very very fond of, uh, of those um i and then sport wise in the air force which is something that i always ad uh, advised our um, student pilots to do if they had the opportunity is to adopt a sport or if they already were you know they already enjoyed the sport was to take it up in the air force because the opportunity presented to follow a uh, a sport uh, are fantastic so i i've uh, i've always rowed in the air force um, i'm the men's rowing captain now so i do a bit more organizing than actual rowing as i'm getting a bit older and a bit longer in the tooth and less fit but i've had great opportunities there like you're talking about my you know my experience of the air force but just by rowing with the air force i've I've done some tours, so uh, the most recent one was only two years back. I went to South Africa um, for a couple of weeks to do some rowing events down there. You know, I've been to America, even St. Petersburg really early on when we were a bit friendlier with the Russians. So, um, you know, and that's all through sport, through the military. And I don't think there are many jobs. I don't think there are many jobs that would offer that and, and almost give the blessing for it. So, yeah, so rowing is my sort of chosen sport and a bit of running as well. And then, um, yeah, hobby-wise, skiing and, and scuba diving, which again, I can also do in the military. So that's some of the extra stuff you don't always see that again when you talk about you know is it a satisfying career job yeah absolutely because you get to do stuff like that as well so it's gonna be a hard one for you but i reckon i know the answer favorite aircraft you have flown that is a tricky one because i said i've only got one kid at the moment but it's a bit like trying to choose children i imagine so i think because they're all different and and you, they all have good and bad points i don't know i mean I'm going to have to pin you down for one. Purely from a flying point of view, and that's why I've always really enjoyed the Takano because you know, we got to do low-level formation aerobatics, formation nine chips and things like that. So fly pasts, yeah. So yeah, the Takano, but for the life it gave me and the experience it gave me, then the VC-10 was, was brilliant as well. But yeah, Takano for flying, purely from a flying point of view. Is there an aircraft you would love to fly? Uh, that's a tricky one as well. Um, can I have a couple? Uh, so, okay, I'll give you a couple. definitely the Blackbird. Like, what an amazing aircraft, and just looks amazing. And I mean, this is a childhood one, so you're obviously very focused on what it looks like. But also, I mean, it's a world beater, isn't it? So, Blackbird would be epic. B1 was always a firm favourite of mine, and actually, having operated out of um, Ali Deed, there were B1s there. So, I remember once one of my fondest memories was doing a tank uh, night tanking mission and lining up on at the runway hold point behind a b1 that was getting airborne and just to see those four engines kick into reheat but you could feel it oh that, amazing right? yeah absolutely amazing although a friend of mine still thinks the vc10 is noisier but um but um so yeah b1 and then yeah i was always fond of like the um the f16 as a kid as well because i think it's a it was ahead of its time if you think now they're still around now doing what they do really well so i think you know it was, it was you know um so advanced at the time it was developed and then of course the spitfire obviously i mean yeah yeah so can we find you online yeah, I mean, I have a Twitter account. Um, I think I'm Nasha 111 Nash or something. There's clearly too many Nasha 111s. But um, yeah, and I, I do post on it sometimes, um, particularly any sort of charity or uh, involvement that I'm trying to draw attention to. Um, and sometimes on the Instagram as well. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you. Pleasure.